You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. So this morning, we're going to talk about stepping through. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the open door, and you can go back and listen to it on our website. There's a prophetic word that Deb Kofer gave on that about what's coming in the begin in the uh, coming year. We were just, I think it was the day of, uh, anyhow, it was two weeks ago. Uh, but anyhow, we talked about the open door, what God is doing, what we're, what we're to look for in the coming year. We have to be expectant when God says he's moving and the prophets are saying this is what is going to occur. We have to agree with what we've heard and be expectant and act on what God is showing us. Because we can step through an open door, but if we don't actively engage, then we're just on the other side as spectators watching what's going on. And I know that's none of us. So just say, that ain't me. That is the Southern way to say it. That ain't me. Ain't me. But, um, you know, we've got some exciting things happening this year. And as we close out the, the new year that began uh, in September, we're, we're moving into 2024. We have exciting things that are going to happen this year. We can expect the goodness of the Lord. Like that song we sang, my soul sings because God, you are so good to me. You are so good to me. So we're going to start out in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, and we're going to talk about the open door. But uh, I want to, what does that say? I mean, no, we're going to start in 16, 8. Yeah, you're right, Noah. Noah's right because he's got the scriptures. I just need to follow what he's telling me to do. Because I sent it to him. I just sometimes don't remember exactly what I sent him. Uh, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. We did read this a couple of weeks ago. And I want to break these two verses down. It says, at verse 8, it says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So Paul is in Ephesus right now. He says, For a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I want to break down 1 Corinthians 16, 9 before we go on and look at the open doors. I did this exhaustive research of what scripture lists as open doors. And there are a lot of them. I was actually surprised at how many. And so we're going to talk about some specific open doors. But Paul says, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Um for a great and effective door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. So it says the door is already open. We're not waiting for a door to open. The door is already open for us. So I want us to keep that in mind. The door is open for us. Say the door's open for me. Okay, I want you to agree with what I'm saying. Everything I say today, I just want you to go ahead and agree now. We're going to practice agreement. Uh, especially after that dream I had about we were in such unity. It was just such an amazing dream. Uh, that, um, so the door is already open for us to step through in order to partner with God. 
when God takes us through a door, that means he is partnering with us on what's on the other side. So we've moved into a year of an open door. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us. And when it says that there is a great open door, the word great means megas. It means big. It means huge. It's where we get our word mega. So it's a massive, it's big, it's, it's great, it's huge. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. You know how you see that sign that the, uh, the mega Powerball is like $800 million? Well, it's even bigger than that. So God has a massive door open for us, a big door open for us. And when it says a great and effective door, that that word is effectual in the King James Version. It means the same as effective, but I just wanted to point that out. But it's two words that are put together to make that word. And the word means, uh, part of it means something forceful. So we have an effective door. So it's a forceful, powerful, active, effective door open. That the other part of this word that requires work, labor, and actively being involved in it. So God has opened up this huge door for us that is forceful. It is powerful. We are going to be effective in moving through that door. However, it's going to require us to work and labor and partner with God in order to get the fullness of what's through the open door. So we can't have the power without the action. It can't be infect, effective unless we're doing something with it. Right? Amen. So it just means that we're going to be busy. Amen. And we're going to be busy with the power of God uh, propelling us as we move through the open door that God has for us. Whew. I'm already just... Whew. Whew. That's enough. We could go home. Let's just go ahead and wrap this thing up. So it's a massive work that we're fully empowered to do, right? Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But he says there are many adversaries. And I want to spend a few minutes on recognizing adversaries. Because we know that if there's something God is doing, there's going to be an enemy response to God doing it. Because he's going to try to dissuade, discourage. Sanaya Sanaya talked about this more. That she was discouraged. She was, she felt, you know, hopeless. The end, and she said, the enemy kept trying to keep me thinking that I wasn't going to have victory here. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to beat you down verbally, emotionally, Put roadblocks in your path so you think what God has said you can do, you're not going to be able to do because the enemy is in your way. But who is greater than the enemy? God. But when we talk about an adversary, there's a couple of things that happen that will that are happening right now in our culture, in our world, that that is provoking the adversary to a great um, attempt to slow us down. Remember the words attempt. 
he does not win. So we're going to turn to Acts 19. And I just want to go over this for a minute because it will help us as we get forward. If we can recognize signs of opposition, then we're prepared ahead of time when it comes. Remember, you know, the word says that the sons of Issachar could recognize the times. If we can recognize the time that we're in and what's going to provoke the enemy against us, we are much better prepared to defeat ahead of time before he even gets any traction, right? So Acts 19. So Paul is in Ephesus. He was, you know, in uh, 1 Corinthians, we're talking about him being in Ephesus and encounters a group that has been uh, been baptized in John's baptism of repentance, but has not been baptized into Jesus. So he's going to baptize them into Jesus. And this is going to be Acts 19, starting in verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who come out who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on him, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here is a move of God. We know right now we are in a move of God. There is a harvest occurring. There are people who are repenting from their sin. They are getting saved. They are getting born again. They are getting reestablished in what their, their eyes should be set on. They're giving up their old life and moving into the new life that Christ has for them. That is the season we're in. And let me just make it clear. We're always in that season, but there is a exponential move of God right now, bringing salvation, bringing people to the heart of Jesus. It it is increased right now. So we do know that. So he continues to preach in Ephesus for two years, and he's faced with people who don't want to believe him. But that is not dissuading him. He keeps faithful to the great and effectual door that God has opened for him, even though there are many adversaries against him. And verse 11, let me just read this out of uh, chapter 19, verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So there was such a move of God that no one had seen what was happening before. That even a handkerchief could heal somebody deliver someone, get all the evil spirits out. And what that did is it provoked other people to want to know Christ. So there was a sudden move of people wanting to know Jesus, wanting to get baptized, wanting to get into uh, the move of God. And uh, verse 17, let's move over to verse 17. And they go through the whole sons of Sceva, which I'm not going to go into that. Um, Do I really want to go into that? I may just touch on it for a minute. Uh, Verse 13, it says, There were some itinerant Jewish exorcists that took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. Also, there were the sons of Sevia, a Jewish chief who did so also, who did so. And when the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus, I know, And Paul, I know, but who are you? And of course, the evil spirits jumped on them. What we need to understand, in order to operate in power, we have to know who provides the power. 
And they did not know who provided the power. So the enemy had no fear. We've got to stay in our relationship with Christ in order to overpower what the enemy is trying to do. We can't be... Um, uh, I don't even know what the word is. We can't be flighty Christians. We got to be completely on board or it will end up costing us. We got to know who we're dealing with by the power of who is in us and who we have relationship with. I think that'll cover it. Okay. Shoo. Got that covered. Can you imagine being those guys? You know, they've seen Paul exercise, get rid of all the evil spirits. There's healing. There's all this stuff. They're like, oh, we're going to try that. We're going to try it without the connection. And all they were, were targets for the enemy. Without the connection, we become targets. Verse 17. This became known to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. So this was a move across Ephesus. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Okay, so I want you to understand this. Suddenly, Ephesus' culture has changed. There is a move of God across Ephesus. The sorcerers, the, mag the magicians, all of those people who were into idol worship, in into demonic manifestations, are burning they're repenting, they're giving up their lifestyle in order to take on the life of Christ. When that happens, there's a culture shift. That's what's happening in the U.S. right now. We are having a culture shift. And there is a fight against the culture shift. Because what's happening, and I'm not going to read all of this, but if we go to uh, verse 23, what's happening is the people who make money off the demonic are losing their funding because the people who would have bought it have turned their hearts to Jesus and are no longer embracing the idols, the demonic, the pornography, the, the gentlemen's club, you know, the smoke shops, whatever it is. They're no longer participating in something. So that spirit of greed is coming into battle with the spirit of God. So what you're going to see is as our culture is changing, and it is changing, is that the people who are going to lose an economic bundle is going, are going to start coming against us because we're taking away their livelihood. We're shutting down those places that traffic. We're closing down those places that come against the word of God. We're shifting the economic condition. And we've got a group of, you know, they either have to turn to Jesus or they're going to, not be able to live out of the abundance that Christ gives us. So they're going into a mode of loss while we're going into a mode of gain. So you will see that this is part of the adversarial 
process that we will see and we are seeing in this hour is that uh, not only is there a culture shift to Christ, which puts everything back to what is pure and what is holy and what is godly and what is trustworthy and what is noble. It is shifting us to a heart of God and shifting us away from what is hate and what is uh, disgusting and all those other kind of things. They're listed in there somewhere. You'll find them. <laughs> but I mean, I wasn't planning on saying that. But you know, that's what's happening. So when the shift happens, everything that economically fed off of the things that were evil are losing their economic base. And when they lose their economic base, they're going to come and attack those who are stealing their economic base from them. It actually is the transfer. We talk about the transfer of the wealth of the wicked to the righteous, but it is an economic transfer because the righteous have aligned themselves with God and they are taking away the funding of the evil. So people think the economic transfer is going to be, you get five million, you get five million, you get five million, you, you know. No, the economic transfer is the transfer of the, the wicked to righteous. It's the salvation move of God. It is the harvest that God is doing that are moving people to the righteous. So literally, the wicked are losing their funding because the righteous are taking over. And you may say, I don't see that, but I'm going to tell you, if you ask God to open up your eyes, he will show you what is happening. We have seen it over and over with retails. We've seen it with the movies. I preached on it a couple months ago that suddenly the movies of the righteous are making hundreds of millions of dollars and the movies of the wicked, wicked are losing money. So we are seeing Hollywood is shifting because the righteous have taken over the control of what is good and what is holy and what is pure. And the people in the country are looking for something that will align their hearts with the calling that God has on their lives. There is a shift and it's in our favor. It is in our favor. So we have to recognize if I'm having favor in an area, then somebody's going to lose. And it's going to be someone that I am redirecting the culture, the economy, the mind, the, the thought process, the uh, knowledge management. It's being shifted. And you'll see an adversarial position come against you. But we know that God didn't put us through an open door to let the enemy win. We know no matter what is coming against us, God has the answer to destroy it. We know that. Okay. So understand that there is a greed center being taken down in our nation because of the righteousness arising in it. Just believe me. Just believe me. So I want to talk about the doors that God has opened in Scripture. And uh, I, there were so many of them. I, like I said, I had a whole bunch. And, and I, I actually took most of them out, Noah. And Chuck said, that's still a lot. 
but uh, we're going to get through as many as we can get through. But I want to talk about this because we need to recognize that there are doors that are open for us to step through. And one of them is a door of protection. We need to understand that the blood of Jesus protects us. And I'm going to read it actually out of Exodus, Exodus 12. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. I mean, 21. I'm sorry, 21. And this is the Israelites preparing to leave Egypt. And it says that you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentils and the two, two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. You know, when we go through an open door, we need to keep on the path of the open door. We can't go back. We can't go back over the threshold and try to back out of it. When God takes us through an open door, he has covered it in his blood. He has moved us from where we are to where he's taken us. And there's no going back. There, there's no Lot's wife. There's no salt pillars. You know, I don't want to be a salt pillar. For the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians, and you will see the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the, the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. We have to remember, there is a door of protection over all of us. And his name is Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for us. He paid a price for us. So there is a door of protection. Uh, 2 Kings 4 five through seven. We're going to go through these pretty quickly. Now, how many need a door of multiplication? Every time I talk about a door, if you need it, you just grab it, write that scripture down and, and begin to read and declare that scripture over your life. There is power in the word of God. I know I don't need to say that, but I love to say it because there's power in the word of God. Whenever I have something, I look for a word in the word to overcome to trump whatever's coming against me, right? So 2 Kings 4, 5 through 7, door of multiplication. So this is Elisha uh, with the, with, uh, let me just read it. It says, so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your son shall live on the rest. There is a door of multiplication for us. You know, when, when she had nothing, she, what she thought was nothing, she took the smallness, what was in her hand, and presented it for the Lord and let him multiply it for her. Let him multiply it for her. When we're in need of multiplication, God is the God of multiplication. He is the one who can multiply what we need. He can take a seed and, and do a whole harvest for us. One seed. It's just a matter of saying, God, you know how to make this multiply. You know how to make this work. So I am coming to you and I am shutting the door and it is me and you and we're going to sort through this and I'm not moving until I hear what do I need to do to bring that multiplication to pass? What do I need to do to partner with you to bring that multiplication to pass? That's good, isn't it? How many of you have multiplication before? 
Yep. God is the God of multiplication. And we, we've heard testimonies on it uh, even today. You know, multiplication in the mailbox. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, 2 Kings 4.21. I think I may want to read another scripture with that. So the Shudamite who Elisha has spent time with, her son dies. And um, I'm going to start in verse 20. Uh, Elisha says to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So the son died, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. You know, sometimes when there is something dead that we need resurrection, we have to go in and shut the door and declare resurrection life over it. And Elisha goes up and lays on the child, and the child sneezes and, and is alive. You know, there are things that I, I felt like even today as I was praying about this, there are things that we have walked and brushed our hands up and said, there's just no life in this. There's just no life. I need to just move on. But God is going to resurrect some dreams that you feel like have died. He's going to, and, and what I, I really sensed him going to do is he's going to bring it to life in a way that you couldn't have even imagined. If you said, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to lay it all out, his is going to be so much better than what you even thought was possible. So there's that door of miracles that is waiting for you. There's a door of miracles waiting for you. And, and I think uh, there's a couple doors of miracles uh, as we go through Scripture. I won't do them all. But it's just interesting to see how many times uh, where there was a need for a breakthrough and they went in and shut the door. Even the next one we're going to read is going to be Matthew 6. Uh, it's Matthew 6, 6. And I always call this my door of intimacy. Uh, when I had uh, a visit in heaven, uh, I went into like a council room. And when I sat down, there was a circular table. And I thought there was a little angel sitting in the middle of it. Like the circle was in the middle of it. And then the table was round. And I thought there was an angel sitting in front. In, in the middle of it. But when I sat down, it was the father. And uh, in Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to the father who is in the secret place. There's that door of intimacy that we're all invited into, that where we can go in and we can lay our heart bare before the Lord. We can ask whatever we want. We don't have to ask anything. When I was in that kind of heavenly realm, I just laid my head on the desk because there was just something about being in the intimacy of the Father that, that everything is, is, um, is not translucent. What's the thing? Um, uh, transparent. Everything is transparent. You don't have to go through all of this because he knows and there's this intimacy to be able to talk to him and, and have that without distraction, without noise, that heart to heart with the father, knowing that he has your very best for you. He has his very best for you. That door of intimacy in that secret place with the Lord.
That's really good, isn't it? Uh, let's look at Revelation 3, verse 7. You know, as we're talking about the open doors, how many of you sense that there is an open door that is different from where you are now that God has presented for you to walk through? Yeah, most of us have. We, we know that we may not know the detail of it, but we know that we have followed the Lord over the threshold through that open door and whatever's on the other side is on the other side. And God has what he has for us. And we can trust that whatever he has is going to be good. And it might be difficult to our mental capacity, but our spirit is already prepared for where he's about to take us. We know that it takes our mind a while to catch up with our spirit because the Holy Spirit's got us all revved up inside and our mind's trying to figure out how's that actually going to work in my real life. But God already has us prepared to take all that on. Uh, Revelation 3, 7. Shoo. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and he who shuts and no one opens. So um, it says, I know, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And I, I, love, I wanted to read this the second part of it. It says, for you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. And it says, I will make those in the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews or not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. You know, sometimes we don't have any strength when we get, on the, when we get through that door. Sometimes we think, you know, here I am, God, but th that's all I got. I'm here, but, you know, if you want me to do something, I don't think I have the strength, the know-how, the anything. And sometimes it's that just I surrender, and I don't have it all figured out, and, and you know, I don't have a three-step plan and, and two sub-notes on it. All I have is my yes. And when we get through that door, it is that yes that actually activates everything God has for us. It is that yes that will give us strength. It is that yes that will give us vision for it. It is that yes that will make us have this knowing that I may not have it right now, but I know as I step, I'm going to have it. Each step will come with the next step I'm supposed to take. Each step will be followed with the next plan that God has for me. We, we never know the beginning from the end. And sometimes we know the end, but we just don't know how to get there. Sometimes stepping through the door, we may be able to see what's, you know, six months or a year down the road. We just don't know the in-between. And it's just the yes to God that gives us the in-between. Whether we have the strength or not, whether we have the vision or not, whether we even think we have the energy for it. We uh, had our kids this week, and my two little granddaughters, they're two and five, 
Talk about energy. And we went to Disney. So uh, finally, uh, after, you know, double days at Disney, I said, I, we got to tap out. We're going to go on a date. Y'all go to Epcot. Have fun. We're going to go have a nice dinner without macaroni everywhere. We're just going to chill out. <laughs> it's so true, right? And it was fun. We had a great time. They had a great time. But, you know, there's something about... I mean, I was thinking about my grand, one of my granddaughters. She has enough energy for all of us to live on for the rest of our lives in one hour. I mean, she, she has it. Nap, that is not a word that is familiar to her. But uh, and I was thinking about, you know, that's really what God gives us. He gives us the energy, the strength, the vision, the perseverance, even the willingness to, you know, I don't think I can take another step, but for you, I will. It's like John and Peter, you know, they they fished all night. God said, throw, Jesus says, throw your net over. He's like, we already did this, but at your word, at your word, I'm going to go ahead and do it one more time. At your word. It has nothing to do with what I believe. I'm just doing it out of complete obedience to you. At your word, I'm going to throw that net down. And that, that last, last drop of strength that he had to throw the net down, was what he needed for the abundance overflow that Jesus had for him. So sometimes, you know, you're like, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but baby, I got nothing. I got nothing. Eight o'clock at night, I had nothing. I was like, I got to go to bed. <laughs> I'm peacing out. I got to go. I got to go. I was up till 930 one night and they came home from, they went to see some friends with the kids and they're like, both the kids ran in and said, Cece, you're still awake. I'm like, barely. I'm hanging on. <laughs> thread. It's a thread. But you know, that's what it is. Sometimes we're hanging on by a thread, but we walk through the door and you still got that thread. And you're saying, Jesus is saying, this is what I need for you to do. And you're like, I got nothing, but at your word. And it's that at your word obedience that brings the breakthrough to fulfill what he has for you. Amen. Shoot, Jesus. He's so good. So, so good. Ah, we're going to read one more and then, oh, oh, yeah, maybe one more, maybe two more. I don't know. We're going to look at Revelation 4.1, the door of Revelation. And right now we just did a, we did a survey right after worship. Who's been having Revelation? Everybody's been having Revelation in some form or the other. The door of Revelation has been open. Uh, Revelation 4.1, it says, After these things I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. The door of revelation is for us. It is open to us. We, if we say, Jesus, give me revelation. He's like, absolutely. There's not a, oh no, I'm not going to give you any revelation. No. The door is already open. The revelatory realm of God is being poured out. It is our call to grab a hold of the revelation and pray through it. Let God activate it in us so we can walk it out in this time. You know, I was talking to my son, who's also a pastor uh, out in Phoenix, and we were talking about churches and that kind of stuff. And we were kind of describing what his new church is like because he just started a new job. And he was talking about what his church and kind of describing at what I call avatars. You know, they have avatars for different church, kind of like who you're called to. And we were talking about, he was telling me about his church. And I, was, I told him, I said, yeah, 
I said, I don't know how to describe us. I said, but the only word that comes to me is world changers. Because the people who are part of the gathering are people who have a call and an anointing to change the world in their sphere of influence. And we come together to be equipped. We come together to worship. We come together to fellowship, to enjoy one another. But we come together to get filled up. So as we go out, whoever, whatever we're called to, whatever place, whatever people, whatever area we're called to will be changed because of who we are. And, and I was just talking about some of you guys and just, you know, how God has positioned us into places where they will not be the same because we're there. So if we are an avatar, we are an avatar of world changers that change the culture that we are assigned to in order that Jesus is glorified, people encounter him and become either with him or against him, their choice. But our choice is to be the change maker for them and the invitation to them. Amen? Amen. Okay, I think I'm going to land it there. Okay, guys, that was good, wasn't it? And if you get a chance, you know, just go to your Bible app and do search and search door and then search doors because they're definitely different. And you would be amazed. I think there's like 176 references to door. And uh, I forget, it was like, oh, I can't remember, 63, 83, something to doors. And if you read through, there's even one that says, the door of my lips is closed that I might not sin. It talks about the door, the sin is crouching by the door. So we have to be aware that, that there is that taunting to us. So it, it is so illuminating when we're talking about we're in a season of an open door and all of the doors that God has shown us in Scripture that are open, that He has opened for us to walk through, but also to warn us not to engage with. Amen? Well, if you guys will stand, let's just pray. So good, God. Whew, your word is good. It's my nourishment, but I might need some lunch too. Right. <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you that you have opened this realm for us, this door that we can walk through. We, we have crossed over the threshold into a new and exciting time. And, and what's so interesting about it, Lord, is it's not like we have, you know, like suddenly a new life. It's just suddenly there's a move that you have for us that we have not been as aware of that is illuminated for us so that we can step in and have the victory for your kingdom, Lord, and that you become exalted over all of this. So, Lord, I'm just praying that as we're aware of the cultural shift, as the righteous are reigning, as there is a shift from evil to good, as we see a shift from hearts wanting to know what is truth. You are the way and the truth and the light. You are the door, Jesus. As we see this shift, we see that clear delineation between good and evil. And we see that the enemy wants to take back his territory. But no, Lord, he will not occupy what we have taken over. So God, just thank you for just opportunities. Thank you for a shift of uh, from the... Uh, 
a shift of wealth to the righteous from the unworthy, from the unholy. God, just thank you for a shift of opportunities for us to declare your name, even by your very presence. Someone said to me uh, last week, they said, of a senator, they said he wears Jesus in his heart, not on his sleeve. But when he makes changes, it's from the seed of Jesus. So, Lord, let us be that. Let us make changes out of your heart, out of what you desire. And whether it's a a verbal declaration or just a tactical shift in the environment, in the culture, Lord, let it be according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.